first month, I start hearing people's uh, conversations refer to the things that we've been teaching all year. Somebody say amen. In other words, you don't know sometimes if it's sticking, right? But when you start listening to people speak in their just regular, normal vernacular, but they began to incorporate things that's related to the messages and the word of God, how many understand that's when you know it's sticking? Praise God. And so, therefore, if we can fight through sometimes maybe seem being the routine of it, we may get into the place of the righteousness of it, and then we can have real vigor. Somebody say amen. amen. And so I'm not promising you this is the last time you ever see it. Maybe you'll see the last time of this motif, but definitely not the power of these messages. Are you with me? Amen. amen. And so, therefore, going to uh, really kind of capitalize on something that we've been trying to do for a while. And that is the first part is this platform for prayer. And that is simply 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, and ushers, if you would, um, you may want to help people with Bibles. Um, but platform for prayer in our pathway is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 from the Message Bible says this. Could you read it with me? Ready, set, read. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's spirit gets worked into our lives. Let's say everybody say God's spirit. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did it? It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. And everybody said, praise God. Isn't that good text right there? It's very good text, right? So therefore, that's our platform for prayer. And we're going to reserve the opportunity uh, for really kind of, a, I hope that God would have us to have just a special and intimate time of prayer um, as we conclude. Um, but what we want to do is go further to this next text. I know we used it during the treacher's table, but I don't want us to miss the importance and the value of it. So we're going to do it one more time. And that simply says, the transformation, or rather the Greek word metamorpho, or really in English, we just simply know it to be as change. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living Sacrifice. How many know God is looking for a living sacrifice today, amen? amen? Holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God. Ooh, this is good. I got you, God. Okay. Which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. It goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, meaning this age, whatever uh, particular time frame or whatever particular century we're in. Uh, do not be conformed to this world, but fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, meaning to be changed by the entire renewal. How many understand we can't hold on to a little bit? And I think in the rap, I never caught that maybe earlier, one, either the rap or the next song we sang today, it says, letting go of the past. It says, letting go of the what? Past. How many understand that could be somewhat a challenge, but we've got to let go of the? Past. Letting go of the past, the entire renewal of your mind. And this is the part we focused on, so read the bracket with me. Ready, set, read. By its new ideals and its new attitude. One more time. By its new ideals and its new attitude. So that you may prove for yourselves. I, I noticed that recently here. It says for yourselves. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. For yourselves. What is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God? Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight in you. And everybody said amen. amen. So just to reemphasizing. It says, and I think it happened again on our ministering this past weekend on reconciliation, conversations of color. And what I'm talking about here is this little part where it says the, it's new ideals, ideals. Everybody say ideals. ideals. 
And how many understand when oftentimes we use the word ideals, quickly someone in a crowd, if you've got a crowd more than two people, quickly one of the two of them is going to talk about, well, I'm not idealistic, I'm realistic. Is everybody with me? Keep it real, right? Don't we say that? But that means as soon as you're doing that, you're saying you want to put yourself in opposition to what the verse says in the Amplified Bible. Because here we are, we're renewing our mind with its new ideals. Yes, it's ideal that people in the U.S. of America, after all of the history and after the lynch laws and after uh, Jim Crow laws and after people just got a chance to vote and after I was only given, um, really back in history, I was a three-fifths of a man. When you go through all of those kinds of situations and you say, well, no, we're just going to be, everybody going to be together and it's just going to be, we're going to sing and worship and I'm going to forgive all the past. It's an ideal. Of course it's an ideal. But we're being renewed in our mind with these new ideals because Jesus has made us not divided but unified. Now we are one people and you too are going to be one with us, Court. I want you to understand that's what God wants us to be. Somebody say amen. Say it's an ideal. But it's his idea. Oh, I got about four people that said it that time. It's an ideal, but it's his idea. It's whose idea? So therefore, when we talk about that, and I'll just stop there and say, can we give a big applause for Pastor Jeremy, MLT, and especially the panel that came? Can we do that right now in Jesus' name? <laughs> if you uh, had an opportunity to come and, and participate, about 40-some-odd people, 49 or so, whatever it was, thank God for you. Thank you so much. We want to be at the forefront of trying to lead what it looks like um, for Christ to share with us how we're supposed to get from ideals into the real as it relates to his mind for us to be one. And everybody said amen. amen. Say reconciliation. reconciliation. Praise God. Thank you. So with that being said, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm sorry, back to yourselves. And for yourselves. Everybody say for yourselves. Recently in a particular testimony, I was really ministering through meditating and asking God about this question, and it dawns on me that it's for yourselves. Now, that's not a selfish thought there, but how many understand you've got to come to know God is and his ways work for yourself? How many understand you, it's more than proving it to somebody else, is you've got to know about God and his ways and they work, and this has got to be proven to you. How many understand we're in this thing because God has proven himself to you. Are you with me? If you hear somebody talking about something, it's because God has proven himself to them. Are you with me? And so therefore, I just want to say over and over again, it says so that you may prove for yourselves because there's nothing. Here's what God I love about God is that God knows that if he convinces you, nothing will stop you. Are you with me? If God convinces you, if he gets a hold and lays a hold of the whole part of you, I mean, nothing will stop you. Are you with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing can stop you when you are convinced. Amen. So, so it says for yourselves. Now, that's the, that's the tone of what we want to see, and we're going to take a look at the rest of the scriptures, but that's the tone. What a, what a wonderful picture here. I like this picture here because look at the picture in the midst of that verse. Maybe a picture speaks for a thousand words. And in the midst of the picture, the testimony of transformation is this. To be not conformed to the culture of this world. Don't be conformed to everybody around you. How many know that can be a little hard sometimes? I mean, can you imagine? So, I mean, you're already, like some of us have a resistance to not want to be weird or different, or peculiar, or unique, or don't want to stand out. And so how many understand the enemy can use that against you if you just go along with the crowd, right? We call that secret service saints, amen? Right? I'm a saint. All the Christians, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand in my heart. <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> So, so here we are, the testimony of transformation is to not be conformed to the culture of this world, right? But we're talking about a renew you, a renew you, a renew you. 
right? A renew you. It means God wants to use the old things of me, but he's going to make it renewed. I'm going to say it again. God wants to use the old things of me, but he's going to use it new. Right? In other words, if I was an artist in the world, whatever artist you want to call it, if I was a musical artist in the world, and all I did was talk about corrupt things, when God converts me, I'm still an artist. That was a gift God gave me, right? But now that gift is to be used, what? For him. It's a new you. He took the old things and made them good for his purposes and plans. Is anybody with me? Isn't that called a testimony? See, the best testimony is you used to be old. Because now you're what? I'll tell you a real testimony that happened. And not, I know some of this happens with me, pastoring and things like that as well. But my spiritual father even, really, really super close, intimately close, loved the man of God. But he made this statement one time. He was preaching or teaching a Bible study or something. He made this statement once and he said, you know, the best testimony is one that you've been maintained. You've been kept. You've been, uh, you've been you know, always been able to live out your life at a, at a righteous place or at a righteous place of life or whatever. And that just didn't settle well with me. And maybe some of y'all think that's true, too. And, and it's OK for you to think that. But I want to share a contrast with you. I don't know that that's always the best testimony. Let me tell you why I'm saying that is because the scripture says that all of heaven rejoices to one sinner that repents. All of heaven rejoices at one sinner that repents. All of heaven, just a thought, rejoices over one person out of eight billion on earth that repents and turns to the Lord. All of heaven. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Heaven is going ballistically crazy because somebody in a little small village in whatever continent repents and turns to the Lord Jesus and all of heaven rejoices. I think that's a good testimony. Amen. So the point is, yes, we want to live our lives for Christ. So no, don't go out and sin. You know, Paul says, God forbid, right? Heavens, no, God forbid. But what we're saying is, you know what? Some people come to know Christ because they know what you used to be. And now they see who you are today. Forgive me if I cry. It's okay. When I talk about my closest friends, my closest friends, they did not come into Christ because they really ever sat under me preaching at all. Because none of them have ever been to a part of have never been a member of BCC while they were, you know, unsaved. Are you hearing me? What caused Sean Jackson, for instance, to be converted, says to stand up and say, what must I do to be saved, was because his friend had become brand new. He knew what he was old, and now he sees him brand new. How many understand that's a testimony? Can you turn to your neighbor behind you and say, that's a testimony? Now, that's a testimony, amen. That was a trick. <laughs> so what we're going to do is take a look at this for the rest of our time. Paul testifies transformation. Everybody say, Paul, Paul. Testifies, testifies transformation. Right here, we see this is a picture depicting him in King Agrippa's court. And uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, I like this particular picture uh, more so because... Um, there's two different testimonies, again, that Paul uses. Um, here's a quick point of why we talk about testimonies. Um, the power of testifying, the power of testifying. Um, I'll bring a mic to you. I'll put you on the spot a little bit. But the power of testifying. Everybody say testifying. We had a beautiful and sweet time the other day um, Bricks at Bricks Giving. Just hold that. You'll, you'll use it. Don't worry about it. We had a beautiful and sweet time planned out by Pastor Holly and and a thing we called uh, Bricks Giving. And uh, thank you so much, those who made the food for it, because we uh, Bricks Giving to what you gave us. Amen? <laughs> I mean, uh, 
that that corn dish, I don't know who made that one, the corn dish, the macaroni cheese, the greens, they had greens, I know. And so it was just a wonderful time in the Lord. But what I want to do is I want to talk about, we really had asked the Lawsons, who are incredible elders in our ministry, to not only host, um, but they've had this, this praying desire and dream, so to speak, of always wanting to be able to sow into and give into the lives of young people. Are you with me? Um, you know, Mother Lawson, especially you know, young ladies and things like that. But here's, here's the point I want to make. So we asked them to host it and do some different things, whatever. But they do this thing that was just absolutely, maybe it was planned in their heart, but it wasn't. I didn't know anything about it. And Elder Thompson, I mean, Elder Lawson starts off and he says, you know, we're going to tell how you came to know the Lord. That's how it started, right? And he starts off. <laughs> incredible he starts off the testimony he says about two sentences and he breaks and he begins to whimper before us all I want you to hear that yes dignified wonderful astute Lawson's weeping over two sentences trying to get the testimony out I think somebody should say amen, amen. if I didn't hear another thing I knew there was a testimony inside of that are you with me my point here is that then the room went around and everybody shared their testimony. It felt a couple of people were a little bit uncomfortable, but everybody shared their testimony. But what I wrote on this note was this. The power of testifying is that we experienced at Bricks Giving. The food was wonderful, but I ate so much from everybody's testimony. Amen. When it came from the last person to speak, which I think was Brother Peter, and he said this statement. He said, I could pull from everybody's testimony that has just shared. Because I identify with all of them. Everybody with me? Mm -hmm. Say testify. testify. Say it's powerful when you testify. It's powerful when you testify. What I received that assisted the invigorating of my personal revival came from Charles Spurgeon. The, 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 the wonderful testimony that has been highly populated and people know about it or whatever. And I just want to write down a couple of things. Um, the reason I did this is because I want you to understand, here it is, a major theologian uh, changed literally hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people and still today from all of his writing, his messages that can be received and things like that. An incredible theologian, Charles Spurgeon. And here's something that he says in this year. He says, the story of Spurgeon's conver conversion is widely known, but it may be well re repeated. Notice repeated, but it may be well what? How many understand? He's passed, gone on to be with the Lord, but his testimony is still having a power and effect. That's a testimony. Your testimony is of the power that even when you're gone to be with the Lord, it keeps going on. Somebody got it. Somebody over there got it. That's a testimony. So then it says this, and it cannot be better told than the words in which he himself presented it. I sometimes think, this is him, I sometimes think I might have been in darkness and despair until now had it not been the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm one Sunday morning while I was going to a certain place of worship. I turned down a side street and came to a little primitive Methodist church. Now catch this and think about BCC for just a second. In that chapel, there may have been a dozen or 15 people. I had heard, the I had heard of the primitive Methodists, how they sang so loudly that it made headaches. Speakers just too loud. We just sing, Hi, why y'all so emotional over the songs, right? But that did not matter to me. I wanted to, I wanted to know how I might be saved. The minister did not, listen to who spoke that morning. The minister did not come that morning. He was snowed up. I supposed at last a very thin looking man, a shoemaker, a tailor, or something of that sort went up to the pulpit to preach. Just a common person that day. Are you with me? Now, it was well that preachers be instructed, but this man was really stupid. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had little else to say. The text was, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. Isaiah 45, 22. I won't read the rest of it. It's just that I've ended with this note. He did not even pronounce the words rightly, but that did not matter. There was, I thought, a glimmer of hope for me in that text. And everybody said amen. 
Does everybody, that's, that's good. So did everybody catch the power of why I put this on the screen? Let me tell you why. Sometimes some of us won't speak out because we don't think we're going to do it right. Some of us don't testify because we don't think we know what to say. Some of us think that we won't speak out because we don't think that what we have to say will make a difference. This tailor, shoemaker, whatever he was, just was a part of the person's life that was used by God to change the whole entire revival. How many understand you don't know who you're in front of? You don't know who you work with. You don't know whose team you playing on. But all of a sudden, that one small testimony could make somebody's life totally change. You know what I like saying? Yes, thank God I have the privilege of pastor and all that kind of stuff. But man, you know what? I get excited over one young lady that decides, you know what, I'm going to give her life to Christ. One young man that decides, you know what, I'm going to get married, I'm going to marry her, we're going to have us a family, you know what, I may not be everything I'm going to be right now, but we're going to be that. We have saved the life of a whole family and generation. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the power of your testimony. That's the power of your testimony. Everybody said amen. amen. Another small example. Brother Austin is in this paper. Um, and... Uh, says former cyclone works with tigers, right? And so here's this little basketball team in a small little town, and, and here it is, they wrote him up, and then here he is, and they're listening to him like he's like straight Michael Jordan or somebody, right? <laughs> and, 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 and all of a sudden, this is a blessing as he's running this little camp or somewhere up there in Hubbard, or where, where what town is it? Up in Hubbard, Iowa, right? How many of know, some of y'all don't know where Hubbard is, amen? <laughs> <laughs> But here he is up at Hubbard being a witness unto Christ because God wants us to be able to use whatever we have as a testimony unto him. Is everybody with me? Say that's practical. Appreciate it. All right. You know what? Can I get everybody to turn their Bibles to Acts chapter 22? Acts chapter 22. And we're going to read this from the New Living Translation. Paul testifies transformation. Is everybody with me? Quick, quick, quick note. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. 260 chapters in the New Testament. Get this. And three of the chapters in the New Testament is dedicated to Paul's testimony. Think about that. One man's, and he's not even the one that wrote it in the book of Acts. Luke wrote it, right? But 260 chapters, and of those 260, three chapters keep going over and over his testimony. And if just in case I forget this, I need to get it out now, is one of the things that critics do is they criticize that there's something different in each testimony. Are you with me? You know, so you criticize that there's something different in each testimony. But how many understand that, as we've said this year, that vision is not a one-time conversation? Clarity, I mean, clarity is not a one-time conversation. So even though we learn different details, it's the whole testimony. And how many understand when you're led of the Spirit, you tell the testimony to the audience differently? Not embellishing it, but you simply remember different details that might affect the hearer. And because I might forget, let me add this one little, little teaching, treaching type thing. Do you realize in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, right, Paul says this statement. We all know it. We've spoken it. Paul says, I don't come to you with eloquence of speech. This is huge. You've got to catch this. I don't come to you in eloquence of speech with large wisdom and articulation of speech, right? But when I was reading, you're going to see it in a minute when we read these two pa passages. I thought to myself, wait a minute. He is waxing very articulately. He is speaking very eloquently while he's sitting in these king's uh, council. You got that? Revelation. He's talking to the church of Corinth because they were common people. 
and he would rather have the demonstration of the power of God manifest the testimony to them. But don't forget, he says, I have become all things to all people that I might save some. What's the point, Pastor? When you read this particular passage of Scripture, you see that he's going to begin to wax in a manner that says, here, I know that this is good speech and you can understand the communication of my testimony. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at this real quick. Acts chapter 22, starting with verse 1, New Living Translation. Brothers and, sus brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me. Says, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, including some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to, the high, to, to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. Isn't this an oxymoron? He used to do that. Now he's in chains. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. Do I see that? I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into, is this for, yeah. Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blind by the intense light and had to be led by the hand of, to Damascus by, the, by my companions. I, I says, a man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. Stop right there. Back to common people, everyday people, common people. Ananias was simply an everyday person, but here he is. He received a vision from God. We learned in Acts chapter 9. He now goes, he kind of, you know, debates with God about it, but God says, nope, he's a chosen vessel of me. He obeys the vision, and now here he is talk, being talked about by Paul as the one who laid hands on him. Look, that laid hands on him, and he received his sight. That's a common person. How many understand God wants to do that in the Hyde residence? He wants to do that in the Thompson residence. He wants to do that with Sister Jennings. He wants to do that wherever there is his vessels, his testimony, God can do miraculous things. Amen? How many understand we want miracles to happen to us, but we also want to be the vessel by which miracles happen? Praise God. So then it says this. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone that you have what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? This is the verse I want us to read. Can we all read it together? Ready, set, verse 16. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Isn't this a good, isn't this a good verse? And you should, uh, all of us, especially maybe me right now, Taran, I need to deal with verse 16. What? are you waiting for? Can I get anybody to say that? What are you waiting for? I read the scriptures. <laughs> Amen. It says what, Chris, what are you waiting for? <sighs> How many understand that we don't want change? We deal with change difficulty, with difficulty. But I'm going to ask this question. I'm not going to tell us what to do, but I'm just saying this. What are you waiting for? There's a message right there. It says, get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling 
on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. And I saw a vision of Jesus, a vision of Jesus. I saw a what? Of here it is. He has an encounter with God again. You got to catch that testimony. He had an encounter with God to be converted. And now here it is again, another encounter. I had a vision of Jesus. And it's having an encounter with Jesus. It's having a vision, a face-to-face, a personal contact with Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. Listen at that. Jesus is concerned about his testimony being received. So he gives them instructions as to what to do through having another encounter. God gives us instructions by giving us himself. He wants to encounter us, not just at the beginning, but all through the walks of our life, because God wants us to follow his ways and not our own ways. He will not abandon you. He will go with you. He will not leave you, but he's going to come and speak with you. And if he did it for Paul, how many understand he'll do it for you? If he did it for Spurgeon, he'll do it for Smith too. If he did it for Wigglesworth, he'll do it for a Williamson too. If Jesus Christ comes to people, speaks to them, tells them to turn right or turn left, he'll do it in 2015 too. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. Mm. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Verse 19. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by the I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you. Listen to this far away to the Gentiles. And the crowd listened until Paul said that word. And then they all began to shout away with such a fellow he isn't fit to live they yelled threw off their coats and tossed handfuls of dust into the air and everybody said amen, amen. what was the last part of this text dealing with that paul was called and chosen to go to the gentiles he was called and chosen to go to the people that was not like themselves everybody got that and how many understand they thought he was literally in blasphemy and so much so that the religious sect wanted to kill or stone him. And how many understand when you rise up because God called you to do something and you go to wherever God had called you to go to, that there's going to be some people that's not going to be in agreement with you. How many understand there's going to be some people convinced that they need to pray for you? <laughs> You're crazy. That's right. You're crazy. But how many understand what are you waiting for? Did y'all hear that? Can we do this? Let's go to now Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Metamorphosis embracing a life of becoming embracing a life of becoming so when we talk about transformation one of the ways of transformation is repentance the beginning process is repentance and repentance rather than something to resist or run away from is the same root metanoia to change one's mind a change of intention or a change of heart God is not into force God is into persuasion. God is not into forcing and making you. God is not interested in things that are external, just like he doesn't want us to do things that are external to please him. God is convinced we're working on the inside out. And that takes place by the renewing of our mind, the renewing of our attitude by new ideals, the new ideals that the truth, the word of God gives us. So therefore, from the renewing of our mind to redo by obey. Acts chapter 26. Let's watch Paul again. This is the one uh, that has so much text to it. But here it is in Acts chapter 26. Is everybody there? 
It's okay that we read today. Is that all right? Then Agrippa said to Paul, you may speak in your defense. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on all the Jewish customs and controversies. Now please listen to me patiently. As the Jewish leaders are well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I have been, looking at this now, a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. I can, I can really, really preach that right now, but I'm not going to. It says, now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. Pay attention. In fact, that is why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God right night and day, and they share the same hope I have. Yet your majesty, they accuse me of having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? Pause. Though we're reading the text, does anybody get a small little kind of a, a connotation that he is speaking eloquently at all? Are, are we getting this idea that he is he is laying out the defense for himself? It was very common, just like today, that you would have a defense lawyer. You would have somebody that would speak on your behalf, just like in chapter 22. But Paul, being who he is, he says, no, I'm not going to have somebody else represent me. I'm going to represent myself. Here he goes right here. That's why we want to have a testimony so that we can represent Christ for ourselves. We want to have our own testimony. No, no, no. Let me share my story, right? Like the man in John chapter 8, right? You know, mom just, ah, you're going to see a, a part of mom's message from last week up here at that final uh, slide. But here's the deal. Mom was talking about this, like the boy of those black. Look, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, thank you. I don't know. Who is he? I don't know. Right? Let me understand. Some of us just get, well, you know, we want to go. Well, let me look it up in my uh, smartphone. I don't know. Well, 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 when Cain went out of the sight of the presence of the Lord, who did he go marry? I don't know. I'm just right, right? Well, well, dinosaurs, the millions of years ago when God was creation is only 6,000 years. I don't know. But this is one thing we do know about Jesus. I used to be a sinner, but now I am free, delivered. I have been made whole. I have been made complete. Listen, I have been forgiven, and I have been a now proponent of his love. I may have felt like I used to not be loved, but thanks be to God, I know that I'm loved now. I know. You know why else I know? Because I know some of your testimonies. That's why I know. Thanks be to God. Here it is, Hannah, a part of the Navigators, and, and Elder Tops, Elder Lawson talked about having the Navigators affect him. That means it's still going on today. I love Dal going down to Nicaragua because Christianity looks the same in no matter what language. People worship and praise, and they live right. They read Bibles, and they love their families. They stay married. That's what Christianity looks like all over the world. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was a sinner, but now I'm free. That's how I know Jesus is alive. His power, his life, his resurrection is at work in me. Glory to God. But Paul here is waxing very dignified. What verse do I leave on? I have to hurry. What verse are we on? Thank you. That's why I was trying to just read. <laughs> he says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem, authorized by the leading priests. I caused many believers 
there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogue. I want to get to this. To get them to curse Jesus. I was so violent opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day, oh, listen, I'm sorry, real quick. Oh, I've got to hurry up. He chased them down in foreign cities to destroy them. Everybody see this? Come on, listen, listen to the pictures real quick. He chased them down to destroy them. Paul, now converted in Christ, is chasing cities to tell people about him. Same thing, whole new purpose and cause. Does everybody see that? I'm just trying to... <laughs> One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed, here's the testimony, armed with the authority and the commission of the leading priest about noon, your majesty. As I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Does everybody see that? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you. Look at this. I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness. Listen to what Jesus wants us to turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. I just think God ought to deserve a good praise offering for that. Amen. Listen at the text on that right there. If you want to know what we're in and why and why we testify is for this purpose right there. And so King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision. I obeyed that what? I didn't obey what somebody told me. I didn't obey just because I prayed it. I didn't obey and go on my own mind. I obeyed the what? From heaven. He's saying I obeyed the encounter that I received from God. The encounter I received from God, I obeyed it. That's why we have it up here, redo by obey. You redo or you do new by obeying the vision, the encountering God gives you. He says, I preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all of Judea and also to the Gentiles that all must repent, all must what? Repent. Change, metanoia, of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed and prove they have prove they have by the good things they do some Jews arrest me in the temple for preaching this and they tried to kill me but God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify so I can so I can to who to who from the least to the greatest I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be first to rise from the dead and in the way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly, Festus shouted, Paul, you're insane. Too much study has made you crazy. I love it. You've been studying God and and you've been studying under Gamal, and you've been trying to understand God, and you didn't listen to too many CDs, and you didn't listen to too many podcasts, and man, you just talk too idealistic. <laughs> what happened to you when you used to be the way you used to be? Man, you, you used to be down. When you was killing the people, you was down. But now you're trying to save everybody, no matter what the color of their skin is, no matter where they come from. Even though if you don't have it, you want other people to have it. Man, you're just crazy now. <laughs> and Paul replied, I'm not insane. 
most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? I love this answer. <laughs> Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I, except for these chains. And everybody said, amen. Paul shares this phenomenal testimony and it is recorded three different times and so when we've been doing this series when we've been doing this series about have you met God have you encountered God do you have a testimony of your transformation it's been because it's all pulled from the scriptures of what Paul himself has lived and spoken and testified and everybody said amen so we want right now to obey your heart in this God environment. We're here on what has been set up as being the final day, the final Sunday of being a part of BCC, of two of the most precious gifts in our ministry. And that is Chris and Amanda Reef, and everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. But quite different than the way we've sent people away before, I want us to do something different. I'm going to have them come up now, if you would, please come. Thank you so much. Miss Tina, I've given you a good portion of time now to think about maybe a testimony that was shared or what your experience was. And let me tell you why I'm doing that. Is that you all have had the privilege of seeing and hearing from Brother Sabdil as he's about to graduate. And he was on the panel this past week. <coughs> and Sister Sonia reached over to me and said, Man, what Brother Sabdil is saying is so rich and so good. And uh, what a joy, what a blessing it is to have someone like Paul, intelligent, speaks multiple languages, knows the Lord Jesus Christ, and has lived a pure testimony. We thank God for Brother Sabdil. Let's give God a big praise offering. Amen. <clears throat> but as many of the bricks were gathered together, I don't want you to miss next Sunday. I don't want you to what? Because next Sunday... The woman of God who I said from very early on is one of the most phenomenal, prominent voices of this generation is going to preach next week. Somebody say amen. Of this particular generation and what an honor it is upon her graduation that I want you to be present because Sister Euphema is going to be preaching next week. Amen. Let's give God a big praise offering for that. Amen. <clears throat> But we don't hear from another one that has been phenomenal and powerful. So I just want you to know who she is. She doesn't have to say a whole lot, but you've seen her sing. You've seen her be a blessing. I don't know if you've ever caught her not smiling. Amen. But Sister Tina was there on last week. And if you want to share your part of the testimony or any other part of a, somebody else's testimony that touched you or just being in the environment of testimonies, would you share that a little bit there right now? Did y'all hear that? Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give God a big praise offering. <laughs> Say it at the top of your voice. Say, testify. testify. Because your testimony has the power to transform of your transformation. 
And the reason I want to have Brother Chris and Sister Amanda up here today is we normally speak over their lives before they depart. But today, because I'm aware of our congregation, I'm aware of the things that some of us are wearing, I'm going to have them pray over us today. Is anybody with me? Amen. Let me tell you, amen. Listen, this is what I mean. Yes, I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to make it personal. There are people in this room right now that are experiencing just family trials and troubles. I mean, not that man can do something about it. Only God can do something about it. The Williamsons, for instance, their spiritual mother back in Kansas just passed. And now they have to go and be a bereavement or to be a blessing to those family members back there. There are people in this room that are dealing with physical ailments that are just so perplexing that medical physicians can't say something that's articulate or clear enough. And how I many know no matter what, it's still not fast enough. Are you with me? And there are people in here that are contemplating going back home and moving from Ames and living somewhere else and that might not be best for the children that I don't know God what would you have me to do God knows those answers somebody say amen some of us are experiencing financial challenges and difficulties some of us are experiencing things in our own mind some of us are experiencing things that we just need Jesus to flood us so that we might look to him and be saved all the ends of the earth. Somebody say amen. So brother Chris, if you would start the prayer, and sister Amanda, we're going to ask that you would complete the prayer, but would everybody please stand? And those whose names that I have left open, or if I didn't touch your situation at all, one of our most endeared couples, their father just passed a couple of weeks ago. Whoever you might be and whatever you might be going through, bring the lights down. We don't have to call out your name or your situation, but we want to ask that this altar would be received right now in Jesus' name as they get ready to pray over us and we'll hold hands and, and we'll just have God release his power and move directly into your situation. So would you please come up right now to the altar as the reefs speak over our lives. Would you come do that right now in Jesus' name? I've got something I can't carry. I need people to hold my hands up. There's somebody that called this morning that was almost on a suicide uh, call. You know, we need people to come pray. Would you please come up and let's receive prayer in Jesus' name?